Welcome back to Keeping Up With The Joneses, episode 243. And I have to say, AJ, the beard looks magnificent on you. Yes, and the short hair as well, right? <laughs> you can probably tell that we've got our dear friend, David Wagner, a special guest on our episode. David, welcome back to Keeping Up With The Joneses. Thanks so much. You were here, and I did my research, you were here, episode 86, which has easily got to be one of the wildest stories. We get feedback from all the time. You came on, you told your story about how God saved you, redeemed you, delivered you, sent you around the world. If I didn't know you, it would it, it's, it's approaching the realms of not only implausibility, but impossibility. You're aware of that, right? Your story is exceptional. Yeah, it, it is a... Uh, extreme story of of God's love and pursuit of a man for sure. It's it's like I learned stuff on that. Like my eyes were like saucers. I don't think we videoed that one. I think we were just audio in those days. It was just audio. It was it was one of those moments for me. Um, you asked a question at the end or somewhere in it, and you said, "How do you know it's God's voice talking to you?" And for the first time ever, I said, "Because it's the same voice that woke me up." And uh, I tell that story in all the schools that I teach because I, I never quite said it like that before. And that has become a hallmark uh, whenever that question is asked. Oh. And it really just still speaks to me. So uh, I received a lot just from Sharon in episode 86. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I hope you're still getting the royalties. Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> hey, if you haven't, seriously, in all seriousness, if you don't know David, it would be like this is going to be a fun episode for sure, but you would do yourself well to stop right now. Go and listen to episode 86. Go to alanandaj.com slash 86 to listen to David's story. It's His heart, his story is radical. And we're going to have a lot more fun on this episode. I was thinking this morning, David, you will probably remember this because you have a remarkable memory. Like every time I tell a story about our history, you always come in with the details that I've forgotten. But this is especially precious to me to have you on that episode today one because aj's sick and you so very kindly said yeah i'd I'd love to come over but two you are sitting in the studio that you once prophesied awesome i dug out the prophetic word i dug out it was a saturday night it was in 2005 i was journaling with the lord and the lord had told me he said hey alan i actually want to begin to use you and aj in media. And my first response was, Lord, you know, how am I going to do that? We run a school. We have, eh, here's all the reasons why I can't. And the Lord's like, yeah, I don't need reasons why you can't. I just need a simple yes. And I was like, Lord, I don't know anything about video. I don't know how we're going to do this. And so the Lord began speaking to me. And I just remember going, oh, oh. And it was one of those things that was so close to my heart. You know, when you get those words that are so close to the direction you wish the Lord would tell you to go in, yeah. you then become suspicious it was you. The way I like to remember it, is shortly after that, you were speaking at Grace Center, or m and I tried to actually go back and search the archives to, to find the date. And I was emceeing, and I introduced you, and you, you grabbed my hand, and you began to prophesy about a prophetic TV show. The Lord's going to use you in media, the Lord's going to use you in video, and began talking about H&I, and it was such a confirmation. It was so close to the word. I'd, do you remember any of that? It's, I think it was more 2013. It was 2013? I think so. I started coming to the church in 2011, so it would be somewhere between 2011, and and, uh, 13, but I think it might have been, yeah, more 2013. Well, so that I just was delayed in obeying the Lord then. In in May, I think. See, this is what I mean, detail, boy. But look look around. This is some of the fruit of your prophetic ministry. We have a little boy upstairs, which I like to tell that story, that AJ and I were trying to conceive. Obviously, we had two girls at that point. We'd miscarried. We really wanted a boy. You're a dad of like 100 boys, aren't you? Your quiver yeah. is full. And it was probably the very first time we met you, wasn't it? Yes, t- 2011. Yeah, very first time. You came in and did prophetic ministry for our staff. Yeah. And you were on your best behavior. And I don't know. I don't think we ever talked about this. You were, you were, the reason I say you were on your best behavior, I felt like you were prophesying in prayer. Like you were praying some really sensitive stuff. And so... Us being us, we just stopped and we're like, hey, we know that you're a dad of boys and we'd really love a boy. And I, I read into your wry grin and then you gave us that word that Elijah gave that like about this time next year, you'll mm-hmm. be holding a boy. Yeah. And then about this time next year, MJ was born. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a long history. You are known 
around the world as a prophet. And of course, we love you as a prophet. But I actually love having you as my friend more than I love having you as a prophet. And I love prophets a lot. And so welcome. Welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for letting me step into fulfillment. It's always good to see what prophecy looks like on the other side of it. And I, I think it's a beautiful thing, right? I think in covenant relationship, we, we purpose that we would be friends first and ministers second. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can. there's always ministry, but friends are sometimes few and far between. Mm-hmm. So that to me is the highlight of, of ministry. And again, just knowing the two of you and your family and now living in close proximity yeah. is great. Yeah, especially because I can just call you and you can drive over and sit in our studio. <laughs> so here's what I did. I sneakily, I don't even ask you this. I just banked on our friendship being sufficient that you would let me do this. I put out on social media, uh, what's a question you've always wanted to ask a prophet but been too afraid to ask? And I th- I'd i like to think that I've been on my best behavior in, m- in my relationship with you. Again, I've always prioritized friendship over ministry. But as a prophetic nerd, somebody who loves prophetic culture, I'm a student of contemporary you know, prophetic ministry. Some of these questions are questions I've always wanted to ask. They're nerdy. They are wide-ranging. And so I'm just going to fire them at you. And you can answer them for yourself or you can answer for, like, prophetic culture at large. Yeah. Now, if I was really prophetic, I would tell you what those questions are. Well, you know, I was going to joke. I was going to say, hey, David, you're fine. How am I? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> All right. Here we go. I've, I've largely grouped them by themes because a lot of them were overlapping. And uh, this first theme is kind of about church, kind of about community. This is a great question. My experience of prophets are like traveling prophets who come into town, give prophetic words in a corporate corporate setting, and then leave. Is this what a prophet does, or is there more to it? I think there's there's more to it. I serve... uh, I minister a lot as an itinerant, so I travel around the world. I'm in different churches a lot. But I also view myself as a local church prophet. Mm-hmm. Like my, if you were to cut me open, I would bleed local church. So I, I function really well with uh, apostolic people, other prophetic people, pastors, evangelists, and teachers, because uh, there's no competition among those those gifts. And I, I find great safety in being a part of local church because uh, there's covering there, there's protection there, uh, there's accountability there. And uh, and so I think a lot of prophets, we do travel. I think you can look at, at prophets scripturally. There's the priestly prophets. And uh, then I think there's prophets to the nations. I think that I have kind of a, a mixture of, of both. Um, but I, I, I think you'll, you'll find most prophets uh, probably traveling, or that's almost the, I don't want to say the box, but it seems to be the the vehicle that God uses that we go from place to place, stirring up things and speaking into foundations and, and churches and things. So part of the model of what they've seen is a part and parcel of it, but there's a whole other side to it, which is building. You once talked about there's places you go to bless and there's places you stay to build. Right. Un- unpack that for me. Right. I think in the beginning part of my ministry, it was a lot of blessing prophecy. And I do believe that that all building prophecy will bless you, but not all blessing prophecy will build you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think in my um, in, in growing, in my infancy or in my maturing, uh, I was a lot of, of, of just blessing people with my with my gift. And then I remember in 2000, November 2007, I was, in, uh, I was in Kensington, Connecticut, and the pastor, Rick McInnes, uh, took out a, a tuning fork, hit it so it began to vibrate, and said, this is who you are, and the Lord's taking you from blessing to building. And I can't tell you how or, but as a 35-year-old guy at that point, or 35, 36, um, it stirred something in me. I, I didn't feel like I was quite there yet, but I knew it was where the Lord was taking me. And it was one of those hallmarks. And I began to just declare that prophecy over me mm-hmm. in places. And, and four or five years later, when I hit, I don't know how to explain it, but when I hit 40, things shifted. And I, I began to see myself more as a builder than just a blesser. Wow. And because I believe that, you know, uh, according to 1 Corinthians 14, that prophecy brings edification. It's the first thing it does. It's, it literally means to build uh, to build up. And so 
I, I want to, I feel like every prophecy I give becomes a brick, a block, something that you can build with for the rest of your life or your ministry or your family upon. Yeah. I got a question that's not on my list, but it just made me think. I remember speaking to Gary Morgan, a dear yeah. friend of yeah. both of ours, and he said that depending on where he goes is often what people draw out of him. Right. So, uh, you know, part of that is how you're received. You know, so some places I go, I'm received as a teacher and I'll, I'll teach revelatory stuff. Some places I go, I'm received as a prophet and I get different types of revelation. Do you find that like where you go, people draw different things out of you? Yeah, I think the Lord meets people in their place of expectation. People uh, in kind of old Pentecostal terms, it's pulling on the anointing. It's mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, I've I've cut my teeth in a variety of places. So most people wouldn't know this about me, but I spend uh, still about a third of my time, uh, a third to quarter of my time, in non-spirit filled environments. So I might be in a Presbyterian church, a Baptist church. And so I meet people where they are. It's often their first introduction to prophecy. So they don't know quite what to expect. But by the end, I believe they they, they actually receive the heart of God more than they understand the prophetic Mm -hmm. word of the Lord that's coming. But if they get the heart, they'll understand the word. And so I've walked with people now for, that's the way it started, 20 years. It's my 20th year in ministry. And so there's things right now that I'm hearing like, we didn't know what you're talking about then, but we're living wow. in it now. And, and so I, I think those things are really important. How do you, how do, you do that? It's, I, I think God goes, uh, I think he is drawn to where hunger is, where desire is, curiosity. And I don't think he minds proving himself either. Like, I don't ever feel like people are testing me or trying to prove if I'm what real. What number am I thinking re- of? Yeah, real or not, right? <laughs> Uh, 13. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but, you know, it, it's one of those things. I think part of my job, uh, not part of your question, but I think part of what the Lord's called me to do is kind of de spookify mm-hmm. the supernatural, right? We make everything so spooky and yeah. we, we, uh, realizing that this is just normal life for, well, the prophetic for the believer. Is spooky enough. Like, it's, you know, it is weird right. enough that you know the secrets of people's hearts. Yeah. No matter how normal you make it. But I think one of the things I love about you, I'd put Gary in this category too, that you guys are not really interested in your gift being known. Mm-hmm. You're really interested in you being known and, and like normalizing or making it every day yeah. as best as you can. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think some of that comes in hiddenness, right? I know how to be hidden. I know how to be seen. Mm-hmm. And the older I get, the much more I prefer to be hidden. Because it's in those in those hidden places in God that deeper revelation comes, mm-hmm. um, and and I will tell you this that often going into a meeting, the Lord meets me yes on on what people are believing for or the, their expectation, but He also meets me in mine, you know. So Lord, I'm believing to see what I've never seen before, hear what I've, uh, and I think that is this beautiful thing of of knowing the Father like that. Going, Lord, I I want to you know I don't just want to be confined to my own li- limited language. Like right. I, I want to actually see, know, and if I necessary create words, which I've been known to do, <laughs> right? Like next expectation, yeah. right? Because there's no other word for it. So the Lord just allows you to create it. Next expectation. I love that. All right. Well, there's question one. This should be great. <laughs> we'll get through this in about two weeks. Um, why are many prophets not connected to a local church? Like you talked about your love for the local church. Yeah. But why are so many prophets not connected to a local church? Uh, I believe there's a lot of wounded uh, prophetic people out there uh, who felt like they were misunderstood. Nobody knew what to do with them. Mm. And they, they feel or there's the stigma or paradigm paradox of prophets have to live alone in caves and nobody understands us and we're peculiar people and all of those things. Um, and I know what it's like to be misunderstood, was misunderstood for a good portion of my life. But when I, I met my pastor in Pensacola, um, he got this word of that. He said, David's not a pastor, he's a prophet. And he knew what to do with me. Mm-hmm. And because he knew what to do with me, he knew that this, this, this prophet specifically needed a pastor, mm-hmm. needed somebody to, to speak into his life because of the, I believe because of the mercy gift that I carry, which is an unusual thing that maybe we'll talk about at some point, um, is, is, is so important to me. So I believe sometimes they feel misunderstood. There's a lot of wounding. There's, there's that, that, that stigma. And sometimes, uh, 
to be honest, prophetic people don't always play nice with, with other with other people. You know, we're, um, and I, I think it's it's because of the weight of what they're carrying. Um, and again, I think it comes back to that that fear of probably a fear of rejection and and insecurity in it. Mm-hmm. But also, I would go back to almost every time it's a wounding that took place. All right, dovetailing from that question, how do you stay accountable in community? to what you say, especially if you're not part of the community you're ministering to, but just going through. So you're talking about the duality of your ministry. Like, it's easy for you to be accountable at Grace Center when you prophesy, because you're here when you're in town almost every week. But what about when you're in, like, other countries and you prophesy? How do you stay accountable to the community that you're ministering in? I, I don't do anything outside of relationship and assignment. So unless the Lord really sends me somewhere, I feel like he's sending me somewhere on an assignment, uh, I, I, I won't go. Um, but most of my connections are re- relational, so there's a lot of interconnection. If I go to a place, I offer accountability. I let people know uh, who my pastors are if they have an issue with, my, with anything I say. Um, I say, call my pastors. Mm-hmm. And so some, yeah, and um, in the past, so there's been times where people have, and basically it was all resolved with some clarity. Um, but, you know, I, I'm just not a one-off guy. So um, if, if I can't go to build and do life with you, I, I may come in one time, I'll still be accountable for it. Um, and, and I think that's really important. You know, that word accountability is really interesting to me because we almost create a negative connotation with it. Mm-hmm. Like it's an, you know, I'm being, being held accountable for what I might do wrong. But I also think there's a part of it that actually means an account for my ability. Mm-hmm. So how am I carrying my gift? Well, mm-hmm. am I lazy with it? Am I overzealous with it? you know, all of those things. And so I, th- I think accountability is a much bigger picture. Uh, probably do a whole episode on, on that, that oh, at wow. some point. Uh, but I, I think it's really, really important. Listen, when I say the Lord's saying something, I'm not just putting my own credibility on the line. I'm putting the credibility of the Lord on the line. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I think there's what people see in my local church accountability and my apostolic covering uh, accountability, but also in just being accountable to friends, you know, I, I remember a few times I, as as a younger guy, I'd go out there a little bit, you know, and I was probably prophesying outside of my authority or those things. And my pastor would go, all that was good, but you made me really nervous when you did this. Easy tiger. Right. Yeah. And he was saying, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying that I don't know if you're ready for those kind of things. And that really helped me. Mm-hmm. And so I love accountability. I'm not afraid of it at all. Um, there, there were, uh, we won't go into detail, but, uh, early on in my relationship with you guys, there was a, a circumstance or a situation and, and you said, Hey, uh, this couple would really need some clarity and will you have lunch with them? And I was just thinking about and, that. Day. And I did that. Yeah. And, and those folks are, they were, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, they were less known to me then, but very well known to me now and, and connected and, and we walked those things out together and things that maybe weren't seen then are now being lived out <laughs> in multiple ways now. Yes. Again, it's not uh, really our story to tell. I remember. It isn't our story to tell, but I do remember that. And I remember your graciousness and your lack of fear when I was just like, hey, you know, yeah. we probably need your help cleaning up a situation. Yeah. You know, and you're like, yeah, I'd be happy to. Like, and, I, you know, I'm happy to explain what I saw. And if I missed it, I'm happy to own that I missed it. Yeah. And, you know. I think humility and honor is key, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm um, I'm humble enough to say, you know, I believe the word of God is infallible, the scriptures are infallible, but this human being at times might misinterpret something. Mm-hmm. I will promise you this that I would never do it with the wrong heart. Mm-hmm. Um but it it would be at times maybe I misinterpret things, maybe I'm ahead of the game, maybe I'm trying to read something into it. Mm-hmm. And so you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he's able to bring healing and clarity through that. In your own gifting, are you aware of, like, I'm just, I'm, like, with because you know you better than other people know you, possibly. Are you aware of weaknesses and strengths in your own gifting? For example, you know, you might, I'm making this up, you might be really, really good at word of knowledge, you might be growing in timing, you might be, uh, you know, rock solid in future stuff, you know, those variations. Do you have, like, comfort levels in the stream of your gift? Yeah, I think that 
my gift um, being mercy motivated is is both a strength, but it could be a weakness. I'll never forget a couple of years ago, the Lord really dealt with me about walking in unsanctified or showing people unsanctified mercy, showing mercy to things that God wouldn't show mercy to. Mm-hmm. Because of the way that I'm wired, the way that he created me, the the beautiful part of being mercy, merciful and optimistic and, you know, I always want to believe for the best. And sometimes it could keep me from actually speaking to a situation in somebody's life that could bring change. Right. So that would be one of those one of those circumstances or situations. I'm also uh, really a- aware of this, that um, my job is not to try to out-prophesy other people. Mm-hmm. But when I connect, when I'm around Gary Morgan, my word of knowledge goes way up, right? Not funny the way that and works. Because it can, like, if I'm around my friend Will Hart, my his healing, you know, my healing kind of evangelist thing will, will go up because we're we're connected, and I'll watch that walk out. And and so to me, those are our strengths. But I also know when that lifts, and so I really try to stay true to to me. And and a lot of things are. Sometimes I try to dissect it because it's fun. Like, oh, that was a word of knowledge. That was a word of wisdom. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it all kind of flows together for me. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm most of the time just, I guess, unless you're in me, you might not understand how it goes. But I often just feel like I'm, uh, I'm sitting in the heart of God. I'm, I'm just speaking from the place of of His heart. Or sometimes when I move more into the office of the prophet, I'll feel like I'm actually a spectator to what's happening. Wow. So over these last few weeks, as God's been moving, aware that I'm there, but at the same time, almost feeling... Watching uh, what's happening. Watching what's happening. Love it. How did you fight the temptation to isolate yourself? Like, especially with your story of rejection, abandonment, you know, you're, now you, you're thrust into this gift. Like, how, what did you do to resist that temptation? Um, for, for me, I realized community was life and knowing that isolation led to, to darkness for me. So I just chose light and chose community. It took a while to build trust, uh, around people. And I think that we have to clarify, there's a difference between isolation and, so, you know, solitude. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've just learned in the last five, six, seven years, Solitude. Like I, I didn't like being by myself after I got set free. Mm-hmm. Like I had, you know, uh, FOMO, fear of missing out all the time, wanted to be at everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was in Australia, oddly enough, at, uh, and, um, January of 2014, the Lord said, you can't keep going at this pace. I think I'd done 10 days of meetings and now I was moving into youth camps and adult, young adult camp. And he said, I want you to come and spend time with me. And so I, you know, turned worship on. He said, shut that off. Open my Bible said, and he just had me sit for an hour by myself. It was, it was the most difficult hour of my life in that moment. But now I practice it just about every day. And if I don't, then I really know uh, that I've missed it. So I do want to clarify that. Isolation um, is, is a big trick of the enemy. And I tell this story often of my fir- one of my first times in South Africa watching this zebra walk down the road. It was cut uh, from kind of its neck down to its throat, head down into feet, just walking by itself. And the guy leading us said, oh, it's so sad. This is the zebra's last day on the earth. He got wounded and got isolated from his family. And um, something bigger than him is going to take him down. And he starts weeping and he goes, oh my goodness, it's a picture of the church. We get wounded and we get isolated because of our wounded woundedness. And the enemy goes to and fro like a roaring lion. Mm-hmm. And a little while later, we saw these vultures circling and something had taken it down. Not because it was wounded, but because it was isolated. Wow. At the end of the day, God gave us a, another gift. We heard the sound of elephants splashing and playing. And we looked and watched them for about 45 minutes. We were walking back to uh, the van to, to, to leave, and we heard this different sound. My friend said, there's danger. Let's go back. And we looked, and there was two lions on the hunt. And um, all of the, the elephants that were once playing began to form this perimeter. So the bulls were on the outside. The females were right behind them. The mom was right behind them. Teenagers right behind them. And the kids just stayed playing because they, they, they were fully protected. protected. And it was two in one day two different pictures mm. just out of what the Lord was just showing us. One was uh, isolation that led to death. And one was what was happening when you're connected to community and everybody's in the right place. Gosh, I love that. All right. I don't know if this is the season of the prophetic has just gone through, 
but so many people wanted to know about what happens when you get it wrong. Like it was probably the most common question. So one of these questions that was sent multiple times is, what do you do when you get it wrong? And they put in brackets, assuming that you do and you're made aware of it. So you give a word and it turns out it's wrong. Well, like, what do you do? Me? Uh, I would, number one, humble myself because I'm not above missing it. I would, I would repent. And, um, and, and I think those things are important. We've made those almost negative, but they're actually very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would go through a process of saying, how do I restore faith, trust, and integrity in that gift? Mm-hmm. I don't think you can really restore faith, trust, in, in that gift without going through those first few things right. of humbling yourself and, and repenting. Um, anytime a prophetic person says, don't question the prophet, I'm going to question you, <laughs> right? Because we're, we're not above missing it. We're not God. He's yeah. in us. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and human nature is prone to, you know, you ate bad pizza, you, you're tired, you're just trying to get through mm-hmm. something is soulish, whatever you just, you know, if you, if you just own it. Why? Because it's not just, again, not just my reputation, not even just the Lord's reputation, but it's, it's the reputation of the prophetic movement. Mm -hmm. And we've watched, um, you know, um, all kinds of things happen. If you were to ask me what's happening, I would tell you that the prophetic movement's probably going through the same kind of season. The Lord took the evangelist or healing evangelist movement of the eighties and nineties, where there's this, this, this breaking down to build back up. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a humbling, there's, you know, um, uh, and, and there's a healing coming to it. Um, and and I, I think when, when have, uh, on the flip side of that, if I go to a doctor and he misses it and gives me a medication that doesn't cure my infection, I don't go on social media and go, false doctor, false doctor, false doctor. I go, hey, doc, that one didn't work. Can we fix it? Can we find something else that will? So I think it's really important to to be able to say, "Hey, that that missed it," and I think you have a conversation, a dialogue like we're having today mm-hmm. is really important. I get emails. I try to answer as many as I can by myself. People asking just questions like like you're being asked. There's been times that I, I think that I missed it in timing. Like so, there were things that I thought were going to happen in a time. And in my younger days, I probably would step out more in time. Maybe not a specific date, but go thirty days or sixty days, and things didn't happen, and people would get crushed by it. And and so I started learning. Like I don't want to. So I'll say this: um, uh, I don't want to put God in a box. And I know that His, you know, the way He sees a day is like a thousand years, thousand years like a day. But this is what I'm kind of sensing and feeling. Again, I don't want to tie it in, but I believe it's the season that you're entering in. Mm-hmm. I le- I've learned that with maturity. Um, there, there's been other cases that um, where people question it. I, I remember praying for a, a little girl that had an incurable disease, and I prayed that the you know I prophesied that the, the the Lord would extend her life, and she lived to to into her teens, but how her how her family um interpreted or received it they thought she was going to live to be in her 80s and 90s and mm-hmm. and so medically i mean i'm not trying to 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 justify it you know they the doctors had given her 2 years she yeah. got 8 years did i miss it was i wrong wrong interpretation you know my my biggest my, my biggest fear and i use that word um i want to be careful how i use that word but is i never want to create false hope Right. And so I really want to wait on the Lord and then I want to weigh the word that I have. Right. It's, it's easier to prevent a mistake than mm-hmm. to, to go back to aisle seven and clean up the prophecy, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think those things are, uh, are really important. And, and I think we should honor people. Right. Um, uh, to me, um, one of the greatest honors of my life is that God trusts me with the secrets of people's hearts. And the moment I take that lightly, I'm in dangerous territory. Like if I just want to put on a show, you're going to get yourself in trouble. If you want to be the top-notch prophet, you're going to be in trouble. Why? Jesus said, you know, that, that we should be servants. We should be the least of these, not the, mm-hmm. the, you know, not trying to. And I think that's a part of where people are missing it. We're trying to compete, almost like being first to print, first to Oof. 
the news, right? So I've got to get it out on social media first. I've got to, you know, and, and for me, I mean, if you look at my social media at the moment, I've not posted a whole lot in the last year, not because I don't have revelation. I think, I think the question, Alan, is, is the Lord speaking something to me? So I shout it from the rooftops or in a microphone on a podcast or on Facebook, or is he speaking to me because he wants a friend to talk to mm-hmm. and share some secrets with? Mm-hmm. And I'd rather be the latter than to be the the most famous prophet. Mm-hmm. I think that um, to me is the most special thing. So I don't want to make, uh, I don't want to take the the holy and make it common or so familiar that it's just like we get flippant with prophecy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if you take a, a step back and go, how would I want this word spoken to my own life or to my son or my daughter? Mm-hmm. I think that prevents a whole lot. And this, you know, when, when has humility and accountability um, and responsibility and repentance become a bad word? Mm. Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't, I, my mind's not wired there. My heart's not wired there. Um, and, and at the same time, um, you know, I, I see things out there and I go, that, that hurts my heart. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Where's my influence in that? How do I? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've not come against anybody because that's not my place. Um, but but I, I do have conversations behind the scenes and in the training that I do. You know, people are like, they, they think they're going to come to maybe a school that I do and they're going to become this world-class prophet. And they get there and they realize it's, it's more about the heart and the father's heart mm-hmm. and character than it is about the gift. I think gifts can impress us for a while, right? But fruit doesn't lie. Mm-hmm. So I would say, what, what do I do if I've received a bad prophecy? I, I wouldn't start labeling people false prophets or going after them. I would go, what's the fruit of their life? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the fruit of my 20 years in ministry? And I'm talking about percentages of getting things right or, or missing it. I, I think some of that's what's the, what's the fruit of my ministry? What has it produced? And, and, and I would apply that to everybody else. We're all prone to have a bad day, but when you start turning your bad day into a bad week, into a bad year, into a bad ministry, then we have issues. Mm-hmm. But I think it's time for prophets, really, uh, everybody in the body of Christ, but specifically prophets, uh, to learn how to stand in the counsel of the Lord again. Mm-hmm. Right? What is it What is it like to be face-to-face with Jesus? What's it like to spend time in his presence, to stand time in his counsel, and not just receive the word to give, but say, Lord, how would you even want me to deliver this word you're giving me? I I think your glassy eyes have already answered this question, but I know the person that sent this question, and they're very dear to me, and I kind of love this question. But they asked a question, and then they gave two hashtags, and they said, do you care if you're wrong? Hashtag jaded, hashtag sad. So this is somebody I know, they're answer, asking it anonymously, but they're very well-versed in prophetic culture, surrounded by prophets. So I'm hearing the cry of their heart. I mean, I'm looking at your face. <laughs> but hey, David, do you, do you care if you're wrong or if prophets get wrong? Yeah, I, I care deeply. Um, I, I care deeply because prophecy speaks to me of eternal things, not temporary things. Mm. It thinks it speaks to me of, of holy things and heart things and destinies. And I, if I realize that I could give a word that could send people on a detour of destiny, mm-hmm. that's that's a pretty heavy weight to carry. Mm-hmm. Looking at my own five kids at times trying to figure things out, right? I need to hear clearly for them. They need to hear clearly for themselves. But if people are speaking in their lives, they need to hear clearly as well. And so, um, and I think we need to know how to, to, to receive prophecy, to know what to, to, you know, take to heart, what to put up on the shelf. I think we'd be better at probably teaching on that. But I, I care, I care deeply. Um, I care deeply for people who are maybe blatantly getting things wrong. I feel, um, very concerned and care a lot for people who maybe they're, they're, they're not as anointed as they think they are. I I care about what I care about more than anything else is, is the condition of their soul. Mm -hmm. 
and 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 the condition of the souls of the people that they're 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 quote unquote ministering to. And so, as a dad, as I, I believe a, a spiritual father to to many people, that's that's my my soapbox. If you stop caring for people, or stop caring about if you got it wrong or right, like I wish there's a part of me that goes, you know, I don't care what people say, but that wouldn't be who I am, mm-hmm. right? Because I I really do care, I, and I should care because that's my reputation that will far outlive me, mm-hmm. and and so I think. I think we should take even greater care of it. Like, if I looked at prophecy like a baby, I wouldn't just say, here you go, Alan. Like, I would hand you a baby with great care. And I think that's how the Lord the Lord gives us prophecy and care. Yeah. And and we should be giving prophecy and care. You know, uh, you'll, you'll watch me from knowing me for, for years. There's times where I'll just go like a machine gun, and then I hit these pauses because some stuff is just revelatory information, and God's going to do it whether I speak it or not, and I'm confident. But then when you start hitting heart issues or ministering to areas of the heart, you'll, you'll often notice me pause or get choked up, sometimes because the Lord's doing something in me at the same time. Sometimes I just feel the weight of the moment that I can't just be flippant in. Yeah. You know? If I look even at towards the end of, of last Sunday at Grace Center, th- those moments to me are holy. If people are responding to what I'm saying, it's not hype. And, and we, can't, we, we can't exchange or we can't mistake um, hype for holy or holy for hype. Mm-hmm. So Beautiful. All right. Let's jump off of that and let's talk about this last season because we're kind of flirted around that, that yeah. topic. But... This is a great question. How do you respond to haters who treat you like you should see everything coming? Like, I don't even know if that's applicable to you, but I've seen it thrown at prophets. Like, oh, you should have seen this, that, the next thing. Like, yeah. you know, like you decide what revelation you get. Yeah. Uh, I just take people back to the scripture that the secret things belong to the Lord, but that which he reveals to us is for our children, our children's children. And so I'm responsible for revelation I get. I'm not responsible for revelation he didn't give me. <laughs> right. So their their issue <laughs> their their issue is not with me. Mm-hmm. It's some disappointment in the Lord. It's some cynicism, sarcasm, and that becomes a default thing. Yeah. Right. I look at everything as a sign. So haters to me, they used to bother me a lot, but now I just pray for them a whole lot more. And I take it as a sign. Really, what they're speaking to me is out of their pain. Not a, it's manifesting as anger or hate. Right. But there's some area of pain. So my prayer isn't, Lord, vindicate me, and it's it's Lord, heal them, mm-hmm. open their eyes, and and so I I just view them as, uh, you know, as as you know, you get trolls, you get all kinds of of, of things if you're gonna be in this today. But if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, right? I think the disciples were in the boat with Jesus. The storm comes, the wind comes, the waves crashing in the boat. Jesus, don't you care about us? Like, why didn't you tell us when we're going across, there's going to be a storm, you're going to take a nap, and then we would know what to do. But you didn't tell us because you didn't. And so, right? And and so it's just a part of ministry, and it's why it's a a walk of faith, right? I I think I'm I'm not going to make something up, right? So, oh, there's great peril coming. Well, how about just go to the Bible, right? In the last days, these things, like uh, 2 Timothy 3, in the last days, perilous or dangerous times will come. Mm -hmm. Just read that, and everything you need to know about plagues and wars and rumors of wars and how people are acting politically and all that stuff, it's all in there. So it's already been spoken. I don't need to say it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm just saying I'm, I'm responsible for what the Lord yeah. gives me, but I'm not responsible for what he has. Well, I think it's me. unreasonable. They're like, uh, hey, how come you're not you know, omniscient? You're like, seriously, that's where yeah. we're at right now? That yeah. I didn't prophesy the thing that you're passionate about. It's yeah. just alien to me. Yeah. What do you think about the Trump 2020 prophets? If you're close to them, how have you approached them? Broadly speaking, not, not personal details. Yeah. So here's what I, I, I throw this disclaimer. I don't know if it's really a disclaimer, but I preface my answer with this. The Lord didn't speak that to me, so I don't know how it felt, what they heard, what they saw, how they interpreted, what, the, what they received. 
And so I can't, you know, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt in, in their heart. Could, could it be a couple of things? Let me throw this out. Yeah. I think that the Lord doesn't like pride very much. So could it have been that there, there was a prophetic word, but pride prevented that word from coming to pass or coming to pass right now in this moment? I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. And so I also think that many people in the church um, have made certain political people almost an idol, mm. and God doesn't like idols much. So maybe those idols and altars needed, needed to come down. I think, again, I think there were some, right, that, that apologized, that humbled themselves, and then they got lamb-blasted, mm-hmm. right? There are others that are still sticking to their guns. So people send me stuff almost on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, I can't imagine your inbox. Uh, right. So I, you know, from YouTube, you know, clips and links and all of those things, and uh, I'm not, I'm not the, the prophecy police, but I will bring everything back to heart. Mm-hmm. Right, so um, let me say this: so the Lord wanted to be the king of Israel. Israel wanted a man. They got a Saul. Finally, they got a, a, a David. And so things, you know, things things play out like that. I think there's a few reasons why people missed it or may have missed it in 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 this season, especially according to the election prophecies. I think sometimes people prophesy preference, so they let their preference get in the way, or and they present it in a prophetic way, and some of that because their passion got in, in the way of that. Sometimes people do it for um, personal ambition. So if I'm, again, first to print and get this out there, then I'm going to be the guy who prophesied the, the next president. I think sometimes people prophesy things out of uh, out of hurt that there's a wound and so maybe that jades them one side or the other uh, pr- prophetically um, not, nonetheless there's certain things that that didn't happen they didn't happen in a time frame so what you know I think it's important to have conversations but those conversations have to begin in humility but also the same, I think I need to, if I miss it, I need to walk in humility. But I also think if we're, if we're really believers, right, really wanting to get to truth and have a dialogue, then we have to humble ourselves on the other side. Because mm-hmm. throwing arrows and accusations, it's, you know, we're doing the enemy's work. Sure. Right. And, and so I think those things are really important. And I've had hard conversations with, with people you know, privately, behind the scenes, not on, not in a text message or um, in an email, but saying, hey, I, I think my authority is connected to, to my authority and influence is connected to my relationship. Right. Some people I have no relationship to, so I don't have any authority or, or, or say so in their life. But others, um, you know, I said, hey, I think you need to repent of that. I think you need to humble yourself in that area. Um, I, I didn't, I've, I've written quite a bit um on it. Um, and I think in some of my earlier, I haven't blogged in a, in a while, but on my website, I, I did, I did post uh, quite a bit about that in, in, in January and February. So people can check that out at fathersheartministries.org. Um, not a plug for, for my writing. It was just, I was sharing my heart. Yeah, and what I'll the put Lord a link in the show notes. So if, I'll, I'll yeah. go find them and, and link it for you. Yeah. Great. Did it answer the question or do I need to go deeper? No, you, you answered it. All right, let's 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 switch gears to some fun stuff. Okay, I'm not asking this question. I'm asking this on behalf of somebody. But this is a serious question and fun. Do you know stuff about my future that you haven't told me? Again, I'm not asking for Alan. But like generally, when you meet people, do you know stuff about their future that you haven't told them? I, I know, well, I only know what the Lord reveals to me. Sometimes it's futuristic. Sometimes it's about the heart. Sometimes it's certain information. Uh, some things I withhold it because I don't feel like the timing is right. And so to prophesy a certain ministry or a certain life event into people's lives, it could actually delay them, frustrate them, or if they're not ready for it, either they can uh, sabotage it or um, not carry it well, and they'll eventually get there, but there's hardships. And so, I, again, I weigh the word, say, Lord, is this a word for now or for a way for, for later? And it's not that I go, I, I know something you don't know. Yeah. It's, I, I want to make sure that this is, yes, it's a word from the Lord, but is it a now word from the Lord? How much of your stuff is, 
like for me and my gift in the prophetic, I have to look to see. Yeah. So like get, speaking to Gary, Gary's like, I'm on all the time. Like it, when I say on, he says, I'm constantly receiving revelation. And then I'm asking the Lord what to share. Whereas for me, I'm off all of the time until I look to see. And then when I look, I see things. Yeah. What's it like for you? I'm on all the time. So the hardest places for me are shopping malls, restaurants, airports. So you're constantly aware of revelation. So you're constantly getting revelation. There's no physical way to, to process that and to release all of it. So, Lord, what's for now? Who are you illuminating? Who are you? Right. And so sometimes I'm on an airplane. People are getting on. I'll see something, and I'll just write it on the napkin, and I'll wait for them to get off the plane and say, this may make or may not make sense to you. And they go, oh, my goodness, this is what I'm walking through so now. you don't need to look for revelation. You always have revelation. You need to look for application. Am I sharing this, Lord? Or am I turning this to intercession? Yeah. Do I just keep it to myself? Yeah, I, I think I think the gift of prophecy is, is given as the Lord wills, right? So all of a sudden, Alan, I will, I need somebody to speak to this person. You're looking, you're available. God, God activates the gift. You speak into it. As a prophet like me, Gary, other people, it's, it's always, we can turn it on, turn it off. I've just chosen never to turn it off. So I, I tell people I've been in a 24 and a half year uh, conversation with the Lord. So it's, it, I'm always seeing something, hearing something, feeling something, knowing something. There's times where it's more intense. Sometimes it, it seems like it's there, but it's, it's more, more mumbled. And a lot of that has to do with what's going on in my own life or how busy right. I am and, and those things. But yeah. I remember Mike Bickle saying, the a common mistake people make about prophets is that prophets are all the same. And he said, that's just not true. In the same way that musicians are not the same, people are not the same. And he said, for example, Bob Jones, if Bob has a word for you, he will track you down and give it. And Paul Kane has a word, he's probably not going to share it. Like, And I remember John Paul Jackson, another prophet, saying that Paul Kane gave him a word that I think he'd been waiting 18 years to give him. So like Paul Kane be carrying around this word for John Paul for a year, and he'd been in relationship with John Paul for I don't know how many years, and after a certain amount of time he gave him this word, and John Paul sort of blew me away, and we went back to Paul. Paul, there's a like there's a life changing word, and Paul's like, yeah, I've been holding on to it, like what yeah. you said for years, until the, the time was right. Yeah, that blew me away. All right, next fun one. Sometimes I'm afraid a prophet is literally reading my mind in an ordinary interaction. True? Not true. Um, again, true prophecy, we only know what the Lord gives to us. It's not about psychopathic or you know, uh, ESP. It's not mind reading. It's actually hearing what the Lord is saying mm -hmm. for your heart. And he knows your thoughts. I don't know your thoughts, right? That, uh, and so I think those things are really important. Uh, to understand. An another big fear, right, is he's going to air all my dirty laundry. Mm -hmm. To me, the safest place to be in a prophetic meeting is under the blood, right? Because right? if it's separated as far as the east is from the west, if he separated my transgression, if he doesn't remember it anymore, how can he tell me of it? So if people, so good, so if people are speaking more of your past than your present and your future, I question the source. Wow. Right? One of my favorite lines, a gal out in, uh, she ministered out at Bethel, Lindy Cohen, said that prophecy isn't designed to wow us with accuracy, it's to woo us into intimacy. Oh, come on. So I'd rather have an intimate prophet even more than an accurate prophet, because if he's intimate, he's going to be accurate. Mm -hmm. But if he's accurate, he can, if he has compromise in his life, he can, you know, it doesn't mean that he's being intimate. Yeah. So This is a fun one. Again, this is, you can tell this is not my question. Am I going to get married? <laughs> yes, there's a there's a <laughs> wedding and there's a feast, and so <laughs> you know, here's what here's what I believe: the Lord really gives us the desires of our heart. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're waiting for God to do what He's actually saying. If you want to do that and pursue that and be pursued, He He gives us permission. I think where people get is weary in the waiting. Yeah. Right? For sure, and so you know, I, and and I can only imagine what it's like to be a twenty-something, thirty-something, forty-something-year-old guy or gal, and all you want to do is be a husband and a dad and a wife and a and a mother, and it's not happening yet. But here's the beautiful thing: is 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 God knows what time it is, mm -hmm. and sometimes you're just worth the wait. I, I've told my daughter Era this maybe about a year ago, or a few months ago. And it's probably not what she wanted to hear. I just said, honey, um, you've waited too long not to wait. 
Oh. Like you, you've you you've you you've waited you've get you've 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 waited for the Lord to do something, you've waited for the Lord to answer your prayers, the desires of your heart. So if you don't wait, why settle for a counterfeit? Can God redeem it? Absolutely. But the best thing I can say as a dad to 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 a daughter I love, who I know dreams that the Lord showed me about her and dreams that she shared with me herself, and I go. Honey, you've waited too long not to wait. Right. So don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary in the waiting, mm-hmm. for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. Mm-hmm. So don't make something happen, but don't, at the same time, I watch this other thing. Well, uh, I'm just waiting for the Lord to send me. And so it's almost it's almost like people are afraid to engage or pursue or be pursued because they're waiting for something supernatural to happen. I believe it can happen like that, but love's a choice, right? Mm-hmm. So um, every day I wake up, I choose to love Molly. Molly wakes up, chooses to love me. It's probably harder for her on some days than it is for me, but uh, you know, it's a, it's a choice. So she's my right person. Mm-hmm. I'm her right person, and and so uh, I think and just trusting the Lord and His timing, and let the Lord. What about this? I've thought about this sometimes. So sometimes the Lord's getting something ready for us. But what if we're ready, but the one the Lord's bringing for us isn't ready yet? Mm-hmm. So instead I go, Lord, thank you for loving me so much that, that you're taking care of all of their stuff mm-hmm. before they even get to me. Oh, my gosh. That's as, so important. As a little girl, Era said these words to me at one point. I want to be so full of Jesus that any man that wants me has to go through Jesus to get to me. So I go, the Lord's got her. The Lord's going to bring it in in his in his right timing, and so you know whoever this is, guy or gal, um, you're you're worth the wait, mm-hmm. and you're also worth waiting for, mm-hmm. and and I think those things are are to know. Like I know we get antsy and we go, don't you know my biological clock is ticking, and you know and my plan in my journal I wrote down that I wanted to be this by my twenty second birthday, and and. What if the Lord has something even greater, something, you know, so enjoy that. And here's, here's the big question in, in this, and I'm, I'm giving way more information than what you asked, but um, let the Lord ask you, answer this question to the Lord, am I not enough for you? Because until he's enough for you, no husband, wife, all of those things is ever going to be enough until he's enough. Mm-hmm. So enjoy that be married to him in this season. And at the same time, the more you're filled with him, the more you become a light that your spouse will be attracted to. Oh, love it. All right, last question. Uh, how can we best position ourselves to hear the voice of the Lord? Well, I think that really the best way to do that is not in all the books you can read and sermons and teachings and schools you can go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it all begins with the posture of your heart. Uh, I think the the number one way. Siri wants to hear this properly. So could you repeat that yes. for her, please? That would be great. But I, I would simply say this, that 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 1 says, pursue love. Mm. And if my only motivation is that I love God and I love people, the chance of me missing it or at least missing it on purpose is going to be very minimal because there's no other pursuit. It's not about fame. It's not about self-promotion. It's not about being known. It's about knowing him. So if I pursue love uh, and I'm pursuing, I love God and I love people, I believe the Lord will speak to us all the, all the time because he loves that. He's drawn to that and desire spiritual gifts. But don't flip them around. Don't desire love while pursuing spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. And I think those things are so important. But also, I, I think that it, it's this, get around people of like precious faith. If you want to grow in the prophetic, get around prophetic people. If you want to grow in healing, get around people who flow in healing right. and, and, and catch that, be a part of it, live, live that out and, and ask the Lord. I think we've, we've, we've stopped this understanding or this pursuit, which Jesus gave so wonderfully and ask, seek and knock. Ask it to be given, seek you'll find, knock, the door will be open. So I'm constantly asking, seeking and knocking. Sometimes I get, you know, uh, uh, you know, oh, that's, that's great. I'm glad that you asked. I'll tell you tomorrow because you're not ready for it today. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll seek it and, and he'll say, you know what, um, I've got something for you, but let me, let me show you my heart before I show you the word. Wow. 
And sometimes I'll knock and the Lord will say, uh, you know, you, you showed up just a tad bit early, Dave, but if you just hang out here for a moment, I'm going to open the door. I'm going to allow you to see things you haven't. But also pay attention to the random. You know, I, I, I tell people all the time when I'm teaching on the prophetic, by the time I'm done, you're going to get really angry because you've been hearing God your whole life and you just didn't recognize it. Like you thought maybe it was intuition. You thought it was just this or that. And, and really, he's been trying to get your attention by what you see, what you hear, what you feel. So if you're walking down, you know, you're in the mall, you're in a restaurant and a name and a circumstances pops up, right? That's not just like, Oh, that's that's random. It's actually revelation flowing through. You start looking that engage the revelation, and then step out, step out in faith. And if you miss it, uh, humble yourself and tell them you go to a different church than where you really. No, no, don't go. <laughs> don't, don't do that. But it, it's 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 so fun. It's so fun living a life. Don't don't pursue prophetic ministry more than you pursue living a prophetic life. David Wagner. Oh, what a gift. What a treasure to have you. Where can our listeners get more David Wagner in their life? So you can go to fathersheartministries.org or fathersheartschool.com if you're interested in uh, being trained, raised up uh, in the prophetic. So we do one-week schools. We do kind of three-day intensives. And uh, there's some big surprises coming uh, in the fall for something more expanded. But So you want to watch that at fathersheartschool.com or fathersheartministries.org. Um, don't Google me. I, and I Googled myself one time and that just wasn't nice. So I've never Googled You're myself again. You're on all again. the social medias, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, where uh, can we find it? I'll put links in the show notes. Yep. Yeah. So on Twitter at the Davy Wag, uh, on Instagram, which is probably my favorite thing to engage with people on. It's at, at Davy Wag and, uh, Facebook is David Wagner, Father's Heart Ministries. Perfect. All right. I'll find all those. I'll put them in the... Uh, in the show notes, if you want the show notes, go to ellenandaj.com slash 243. And if you are listening to this, you are literally missing out on 50% of the content because part of the beauty of being with David, and I talked about you know him getting glassy-eyed, is actually watching. And if you want to watch any of the videos that we've done in the past or even this video, you can become a member at ellenandaj.com slash join. You'll get um, a video archive of all our videos. You'll get discounts to our products. You'll get priority Q&A for things like this. But David, thank you so much for being with us. We love you. Could you pray for everybody before we go? I can. I was going to say, if they don't like what we have to say, just mute it and you'll see two handsome guys in very charming shirts, yeah, right? Yeah, beautiful shirts. So, yeah. Pray but, for us, Davey. Well, Father, I just thank you right now for everybody watching and listening today. And Lord, I pray that you would release the spirit of revelation, knowledge, and wisdom. But more than that, Lord, that we, you would release Uh, an encounter with Jesus the prophet, an encounter with the Father's heart, that we wouldn't just know the, the, the content of prophecy, but the intent and the heart behind it. Jesus, you said in Revelation 19 and 10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So Lord, I pray that you would give everybody accurate prophetic words, but give them testimonies that speak back of your goodness and of your grace. Lord, anybody watching today and even connected to the questions that may have been wounded or hurt by the prophetic, Lord, I pray that Lord, you would heal the prophetic in them, whether they were misunderstood or shut down, Lord, would you stir up the gift in them again? Or maybe they received a word that was wrong or, or bad or, or, or just misinterpreted or somebody had a bad day. Lord, I pray that you would heal that word in them, that you would restore trust, Lord, not just in the person who gave the word, but even the ability to trust your voice. Lord, I believe that, Lord, you're bringing so much healing to the prophetic ministry. And on the other side of everything that's happening in this world, Lord, I believe the prophetic and healing are actually going to begin to operate together in a greater measure. And so, Lord, would you release that to all of the people listening uh, around the world? And, uh, Lord, I just release uh, the blessings of God, the, the prophet's reward over people today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And we're done. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan yeah. and 